hello, hello, and welcome to The Long Road Podcast. The journey goes ever on with The Long Road. This episode, Derbyshire to Las Vegas via the Cairngorms. This week we delve into the story behind and the genesis of our epic ballad, American Wilderness. Hear from Steve Bonham and Kev, the big man Moore, about how the song came about and how it was crafted into shape. The Long Road Podcast is exploring the world of the vagabond, the troubadour, the adventurer. The world isn't beige, it isn't processed, it's authentic, it's rich, and it's real. And if those are the sorts of sentiments that make your brain light up, then hop on board. We're embracing all of those things, celebrating all of that. And we'd love it if you joined us on the journey. Greetings, I'm Chris the Bish Leiden. It's great to have you along for the journey again this week. Uh, it's perhaps an intriguing title to this week's show. Uh, those of you who are regular listeners will know that this podcast has its spiritual home in rural Derbyshire in the UK. Um, despite actually only one third of the Long Road members actually living there right now, that's Steve Bonham. Um, I've lived in Manchester for the last 18 years now. Uh, Kev, the big man Moore, has been out in Spain for I don't know how long. Um, but I suppose Kev and I are still frequent visitors back to the motherland though so it counts las vegas and the cairngorms though what's that about um well you'll just have to keep on listening to find out more about those two so we've got some exciting things afoot um we'll be able to bring some more details in the uh, the coming weeks but we've got gigs lining up uh, in derbyshire and london for the spring uh, as well as the first scratch unveiling of a new project that steve and i are doing called how to be a vagabond uh, it'll be a sort of part theater show part gig, part travelogue, part storytelling, part spoken word. It's got lots of parts to it right now. Um, We're working up version one in the next few weeks with a view to doing a sort of scratch version of it to a a friendly test audience in in spring, uh, knocking it a bit more into shape and then hopefully taking it on the road to... You know, studio theatres, community art centres, any any unusual places where something that doesn't quite fit might just fit. Also, we're just sorting out the final details for a gig in Dublin, which is lining up for later on in the year. Uh, it'll be good to get back over there, um, as Ireland was where, where Steve really started getting back into songwriting and playing and recording. Uh, and in fact, the, uh, the first recording that Steve, me and Kev uh, are all on together was recorded at Mountain View Studios in Kong in Ireland. Oh, I don't know how many years ago now. Um, but anyway, keep your eyes on our social media for all those uh, events coming up. The The main page to look out on is the Steve Bonham page, uh, and we'll keep you up to date with everything that's going on there. So now a quick shout-out to some friends of mine at 1623 Theatre Company uh, as they start their national tour of their new show called Queer Lady M, uh, which is a fabulous fusion of drag, autobiography and Shakespeare. Um, I've written the music for the show and I'm producer for the show. Um, the tour starts tomorrow, Saturday the 29th of February uh, in Manchester at Waterside Arts in Sale in Trafford. Um, and the tour goes on through till June, uh, visiting Leeds, Cheltenham, London... Clevedon in the Bristol area, uh, Leicester, Wolverhampton, Colville, um, all the dates are up on uh, 1623's website, which is 1623theatre.co.uk. That's 1623, the numbers, theatre.co.uk. So I say best of luck to the 1623 gang for that. Um, I'm not a superstitious one, so I don't hold with this break a leg stuff. I've always thought that phrase a bit more sinister than the superstitious threat of bad luck by saying good luck. Um, and in fact, think about it, even the, the Shakespeare element of this new show, Queer Lady M, is inspired by Macbeth. Lady M being Lady Macbeth. Um, the name itself is considered bad luck. Macbeth, you're not allowed to say Macbeth. Um, 
Although I think I am allowed to say it because right now I'm not actually in a theatre and I think that's when the bad luck is supposed to kick in. But anyway, Shane, Ben and the 1623 gang, good luck. Um, anyway, on to business now. We've got a long song to get into today's podcast, so no more from me here. We'll get right to it. Onwards, and I'll see you on the other side. This week's The Long Road Revealed is going to be covering um, American Wilderness. Now, rather fantastically, um, American Wilderness right now for The Long Road uh, could be talking about any of three things. It could be our song called American Wilderness, which is the epic ballad, uh, in the old sense of the word, more on that later, um, that we released uh, in autumn last year. Uh, But it's also the name of the EP that contained the song, American Wilderness, um, and that EP was called American Wilderness. Uh, and I suppose less public-facing right now, but still crops up for us. Our internal name for the project of recording the 15 new songs we've recorded in the last few months, um, that is also called American Wilderness. So a bit confusing for all of us. Anyway, today's The Long Road Revealed is about American Wilderness, the song, uh, and it completes our revelations, I guess. It's Long Road Revealed. Um, the revelations about the trio of songs that featured on that American Wilderness EP. The other two songs being Interstate 25, uh, which we looked at a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, and Wrapped Up in You, uh, which we looked at last week and is still barnstorming on Spotify. So now, onto that term ballad. Um, these days it mostly... I suppose most commonly refers to a a slow love song, a sentimental ballad in the sort of pop or rock genres. Um, You know, a good old power ballad with a key change two-thirds of the way through, and you have to, by law, stand up off your stool for the final chorus, otherwise it's not a real key change. But the sort of ballad we're talking about here goes back a few more hundreds of years, I suppose, um, to the concept of a ballad being a um, a stylized storytelling poem or song, um, perhaps the the term that we're thinking of when we say ballad goes back to the 18th century and sort of uh, the start of the Romantic movement, um, and they might have called such things a, a literary ballad or a lyrical ballad, or even a tragical ballad. Um, famous German writers Goethe and Schiller they cooperated on ballads, and some of those were set to music by Schubert years later. Um, Famous Scottish ballads were written by Rabbi Burns and Walter Scott uh, in England. Wordsworth and Coleridge and Keats found themselves attracted to the sort of simple and natural style of the ballad. Uh, And so now, Steve Bonham and the Long Road, we join these hallowed ranks. Um, As you'll hear, there are more verses than you can shake a stick at, but it tells an epic story that just wouldn't be done justice in a shorter form. You know, three verses in a chorus just wouldn't cut it. The story spreads from our home. You know, Steve lives in Derbyshire. Uh, I grew up in the same village that Steve lives in. Um, Kev's from just down the road, although he now lives in Spain. Um, Via Steve's travels to Las Vegas, uh, in this case New Mexico, rather than that other Las Vegas. Um, And it even manages to include the Cairngorms in Scotland in the mix. Um, So, onwards to American Wilderness. Um, I asked Steve about the origins of the song. Well, I got this mad idea a couple of years ago. I wanted to write a ballad 
which is kind of surprising because I used to really hate ballads. In the old days, the folk clubs, when you'd go along, there would always be this guy there with a finger in his ear and a pewter tankard round his waist on a belt, singing a 26 verse, at least 26 verse song about hunting whales when uh, the nearest he'd ever got to the sea was a tin of pilchards from the co-op. And intrinsically, it's a very repetitive form, usually quite a short melody repeated lots and lots of times. And so it kind of didn't fit with my head anyway at the time. But as the years went past and and I started listening to people like Bob Dylan and realised actually the actual simplicity of a ballad and its fantastic role as a carrier of a story made me want to see, could could I do it? Could I have a go at this kind of idea? And such was the beginning of the search for the song that ended up American Wilderness. I've been travelling in America, and as I'm, those who listened last week might recall, um, I'd gone on the search for Paula Angelo, who was uh, the first woman to be hung in New Mexico, and it led me down some strange roads and into an old ghost town as it was getting dark, meeting Billy the Kid's third cousin. And, you know, this extraordinary story built itself out of the, the world and into my face so i got all the notes the story it's so weird uh, you know this woman who was a lover of a soldier at fort union who managed to forget to mention to her that he had five children whereupon she stabbed him um dragging her to the courthouse she was sentenced to death by a drunken judge who did allow her to appeal but set the uh, appeal date for after her execution date the hatred of a sheriff who, who uh, for no reason one can ever work out, really hated her and wanted to make a time in jail miserable before. He uh, dragged her to the uh, town square in Las Vegas and attempted to hang her, getting it very badly wrong, hung her twice. Perfect, perfect material for Ballard. Miserable and real. So I, I came back to England, just started writing lots of lines and trying to work out the best form for it and actually wrote all the lyrics on a train from the Cairngorms down to my home in Derbyshire. Um, just sat on a train. Was, I often write on trains. Trains are a fantastic place to write. You just, just sit there and let the, the miles go by and your phone won't work. And on the whole, people leave me alone because I'm a miserable bugger anyway. And um, I just got it done. So it was then so sort of sat around and I had various goes at uh, writing the thing. I couldn't really get it for ages. Um, I could write a ballad tune in my sleep, but it sounded very ordinary to me and, and predictable, and perhaps that's what a ballad should be, but it, it didn't work so well for me. So I'd, my next trip to America, to stay with my old friend uh, Rob McHale and do some gigs in North Carolina, he lent me a beautiful Martin guitar and something called a partial capo, which I'd never used before. It covers some, but not all of the strings. So it gives you a whole set of of different sounds when you play chords. And you have to work it out how everything works. And I was just messing around one day and this little th- pattern arose. And then another, quite quickly, another one. And uh, I, uh, it just fell into place. And it is very long. And so I, I broke up the the length of it by inserting a sort of second part 
where the lyrics start to reflect most of the, most of the lyric drive of the narrative is things that lead up to her execution but um bizarrely i'm quite interested in those old medieval paintings where something's terrible's happening in one corner and the world is going on you know someone's leading a plow um uh, there's a Bruegel painting of Icarus where you know the main part of the the picture is um a plowman and <laughs> just over the cliff edge you see sticking out the sea Icarus's leg having his wings having melted and then plummeted to the into the waters and I just fancied doing that what would happen on that horrible day would be quite ordinary things as well so that second section was about trying to um, to capture that almost capture that painting in a way that that moment of something horrible and something mundane things mundane going on at the same time so that was how it came together um immediately thought this is far too long and then reminded myself this is what a ballad should be and it goes down really well uh, and um, uh, it was worth all the effort later on I'll include the full track so you can hear for yourself but it might be that actually that explanation there of the main sort of narrative driven verses the first and last thirds of the song compared to the slower middle section um, it helps to make sense of things um, I guess most songs we used to these days are three or four minutes maybe five minutes at a push um, but this song being eight or nine minutes long um, it, it, I suppose it does demand of the listener a, a greater uh, Attention span, yes, but also perhaps a a deeper plunge into the world that's trying to be evoked. It's fascinating to hear from Steve about the idea of the um, the painting juxtaposing a some sort of horrible event alongside a mundane day to day occurrence. Um, perhaps that's something that in visual art or theatre perhaps does more frequently present to an audience that sort of thing. Uh, perhaps less so in just in hearing music. So now the big man Kev Moore, um, who plays guitar, bass and drums and sings backing vocals as part of The Long Road, um, we asked Kev to speak a little bit about his first reactions to American Wilderness, um, where it slots into his thinking about the work we create together. Um, so here is Kev. And, and therefore, therefore dear listener, from the depths of my cave in southern Spain, I shall regale you forthwith. I remember when Steve presented me with the idea of an American saga in song with uh, a verse count to rival Dylan's tambourine man. And after I'd picked myself up off the floor, I set about listening to his rough demo. My initial thought was, uh, how can we pre-see this? But uh, as I got drawn into the harrowing story of the hanging of this young woman, I understood that he was trying to go back to the art of passing on stories down the ages through the medium of song. In an era before recording devices, and indeed in the days before most people were even literate, it was the most effective way to keep these stories alive, and and they went on until, well, the story was finally told. As I listened to Steve's chords, I heard a variation of the bass line from Peter Gunn in my head, and I knew that with a little tinkering I I could make that work. And I feel it really helps drive the story along in an, an insistent, repetitive figure with just the right amount of menace. The guitar riff, uh, which is like an alternating two-note thing on the acoustic, also has a remarkable backstory. 
you won't hear it initially, but this bluesy figure is actually inspired by Richie Blackmore's searing guitar line on uh, Deep Purple's Mistreated from the Burn album. And the blues vibe in it is it's a strong feature of our long road stuff, I feel. There's a lot of blues and soul in our music. I think Steve has referred to it elsewhere as a, a gumbo of sorts, and with the bishop pillaging New Orleans more efficiently than the French pirates, he's not wrong. The, uh, the breakdown section is a, a neat way of getting more verses into the song without running the risk of monotony. The slower groove and the cascading drum fills complement the reflective mood of this passage of the story, and I was, I was really pleased with my guitar lines here. It's my clumsy attempt at what would Mark Knopfler do? Well, something probably better than me, but uh, I hope I got the gist of it. Um, Bishop's piano lines here and our gospel-infused backing vocals really bring some church to the proceedings as Steely Dan's Donald Fagan sang in his homage to Ray Charles. Steve's spoken word verse that precedes the return to the original riff sets up the denouement perfectly, I feel. And as the fate of the woman draws ever nearer, uh, I add mournful wailing backing vocals to unashamedly ramp up the anguish. All for the art, dear listener. Uh, and there's a line where Steve is about to announce what the hangman says and I play a quick offbeat harmonic chord which adds an air of expectancy, or at least I, I hope it does. I like to think of the creation of a recorded song like a painting. The colours, the textures, the panorama, all the elements coming together and fusing to, to tell the story. And I like to think we succeeded beyond our expectations with this one. American Wilderness, very proud Kev touches there on how his bass line for American Wilderness was inspired by Henry Mancini's music um, for Peter Gunn's TV series from the 60s, I think. Um, the music from that is one of my favourites. Um, it's one of those examples of where the jazz and rock influences that me and Kev bring um, we combine. Um, by the way, while I was talking about it, if you like American music, um, the music for Peter Gunn is just some of the finest out there. Uh, you know, it's okay, it's jazz, but it feels like it's it's sort of both of its time and timeless all at once. Um, and if I remember correctly, the recordings feature a, a a young Johnny Williams on the piano. That's the uh, the John Williams of Star Wars music fame and all the other hundreds of film scores he's done. Um, so anyway. That bass line Kev was talking about, coupling that with the guitar licks, you know, inspired by Deep Purple, you can see how very quickly this music becomes a bit genre-defying. Um, we've been using our own term, Anglo-Americana, for a few years now. You know, a bit country, Americana, a bit jazz, a bit rock, um, American and English at the same time. Um, I'm going to put some clips of the early versions of the... Uh, of the song American Wilderness here, so some demos that Steve was doing on his own and a bit of a demo that he and Kev did together. So you can hear how sort of it started off a little bit. Um, originally it was the very first version, it's a much slower song, um, but you can he hear with the, the final version later on that the pace was found that was going to carry it. So here are some old snippets of American Wilderness. So long, it's night out 
the old creek they would go But stops and songs are rambling on In Macon wilderness There's decent songs are rambling on recording session um i was amazed really um this confluence of styles and the the sort of sensation of being driven forward by that bass line almost like a you know a runaway train it feels at times the, laying down the the tracks of the words as this train is moving forward um those guitar licks the bluesy feel that sort of almost sudden calm in the middle reflective and thoughtful um before things kick off again and that the wailing backing vocals that Kev mentioned, I just, I just love them. Um, one of the things I love about this track is in my head, it's one of the central sort of keystone songs in our new batch of songs. There are influences and nods in this song that, that we echoed or mirrored or, or recreated in some of the other songs we've recorded. It's it's one of those central songs. Um, it's something we often discuss is the connections um, between the songs that have appeared uh, unconsciously and consciously. Um, in in my head, there's this great interconnected 3D map or spider diagram or Venn diagram of how all these songs interconnect and weave together. 
um, and then you, you take that to the next level up and you start to see the connections with the, the previous um, works, our albums, The Girl with a Rattlesnake Heart and Reliance from a couple of years ago, and you can see how there's connections. Anyway, find yourself a comfortable seat, sit back, headphones on, eyes closed, and settle in for the story of Paula Angel, um, as told in our epic ballad, American Wilderness. Such a crowd, it's an angel on a coffin who's 
lovely head was bowed And not all there to stand or stare for the beat of life goes on and Tragedy is a moment breath for the cartwheels carry on Still the crowd and this is 
what he said it wasn't just a hanging crime but hanging till she's dead and so it was the angel died in town and moved along the jailer took the story home most felt he'd done her wrong such deeds and songs are rambling on in the american wilderness such deeds and songs are rambling on in the american wilderness such deeds and songs are rambling Available to buy on iTunes or Apple Music or loads of other digital distributors. Um, it's on our American Wilderness EP, which is also out there in its entirety. You can hear the other songs on Spotify, Apple Music, all those places. Um, please remember to try to support your local independent artists and drop a few pennies in the coffer if you can, if you like the stuff. Um, so now on to this week's The Bishop's Daily Bread. Um, it's been a lighter week, baking-wise, I'll be honest. Um, so perhaps haven't been able to investigate as much as I'd liked on the um, the dinner roll front. I was trying to get crusty dinner rolls done this week, but it's still on the list, so I will get onto that soon. After last week's Woody Allen-style bread dough monstrosity, uh, which actually turned out to be pretty delicious, although it looked horrific, um, I did experiment with a new flour this week. It's not quite wholemeal, not quite granary, not quite plain white, I'm not quite sure what they called it. Um, I feel like the word country was in there, actually. Um, anyway, somewhere in the middle of these three, um, I didn't have a particular recipe for it, I just sort of went with my instincts about what would suit it, you know, brown or white sugar, for instance. Um, the mysterious inclusion of vitamin C or not, olive oil or sunflower oil. Um, does this need more or less water than the white loaf compared to the granary? I, you know, I didn't have a clue really what I was doing. But, you know, just try stuff out and actually, you know, quite enjoyed the process. Um, the loaf turned out pretty well. Um, nice flavour. Um, it did bulge a bit at the top, so it had a sort of... Um, muffin top to it um which meant that the um the end or the crust as i call it was tricky to toast as the the slice was way more 3d than toast should be um, but still delicious but i will try and get back to those dinner rolls next week i promise you Okay, that's it for this week. Thanks, as always, for listening. Um, remember to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, next episode will be out next week on Friday the 6th of March 2020. As always, you can check out past episodes on artisan-creative.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Let us know what you think. Tell us what you like about the show. Um, drop us a line on social media. You can find us on Steve Bonham's Facebook page. And that's our main sort of social media channel. Also check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash stevebonham01. Um, follow us on Twitter. Steve is stevebonham01. I am Das Chris Lydon, L-Y-D-O-N. Kev, still banned from Twitter. We've also got Instagram, stevebonham01 on Instagram. If you want to sign up to our mailing list, go to artisan-creative.com. Sign up there. The mailing only comes out every quarter, so it's no bombardment in your inbox. Keep things ticking over nicely. Um, whilst you're there, you can get a free ebook download of Steve's book, A Little Snazzle for Freedom. Um, 
all of the Long Roads music is now available on Spotify and Apple Music, so go and have a listen. Uh, if you like what you hear, drop us a few pennies, that would be great. Our latest EP, which was released last October 2019, um, is out there, including National Indie Radio's Song of the Year, Wrapped Up in You, um, the epic American Wilderness that we've talked about this episode, and one of my favourites, Interstate 25. So, thank you once again, brave adventurers, vagabonds and explorers. Remember, the world isn't beige, it's authentic, it's rich, and it's real. Embrace every last bit of it. Until next time, the journey goes ever on with the long road. Bye for now. (laughs) Thank you.